Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. We are back here today to put a wrap on Purdue's heartbreaking 32-29 loss at Syracuse on Saturday. As I said on the show last week, I had originally planned to just do one big podcast this week, but the game went a little bit differently than I expected, and there is too much to talk about from this one. So we'll do this one today. This will be in your feeds on Tuesday morning. And on Thursday morning, we will have a full preview of FAU and a big Q&A, hopefully, as well. Uh, so send over those questions. We'll be recording on Wednesday night, and I am sure there are plenty of questions about this Purdue team. I'm back from Green Bay now. So let's talk about what happened Saturday at the JMA Wireless Dome. First, real fast, if you don't already, and so many of you do, we had awesome interaction on Twitter on Saturday during the game, but be sure to follow along at Boilers Beyond. Those away games, we're tweeting the whole time. Those home games, Rossade signal, uh, not necessarily strong enough. So uh, those away games, though, we're tweeting the whole time. Thanks for joining along there. We had plenty of fun. And subscribe to Boilers and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be here nonstop during football and basketball season, so you don't want to miss out there. Syracuse 32, Purdue 29. Purdue on Saturday lost a game that it had no business losing. Purdue was the better team. Purdue outgained Syracuse by about 170 yards. Purdue uh, Purdue had a postgame win expectancy of over 80%, if you look at the Bill Connolly statistics, and Purdue beat itself. Purdue came in and had a performance that lacked discipline in a way that I don't know that I expected. I don't know that I thought I would see uh, a very, very poor showing in terms of discipline. Purdue had 13 penalties for 144 yards. That includes four unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, three pass interference penalties, two defensive holding penalties. So if you look at that, that's four unsportsmanlike conduct penalties five pass defense penalties, uh, just a really poor showing there from Purdue. The, you know, we talked about this. It was Purdue's first road trip of the year, and it certainly got loud in there. Purdue had a couple of false starts. Uh, Purdue had an offsides. I mean, plenty of things that were impacted by the noise, but Purdue completely lost all composure in this game. When you add that on to all of Purdue's missed opportunities, it set a rather poor omen for the afternoon when on Purdue's first drive, it benefits from a questionable spot on, or I guess a questionable ruling on whether Charlie Jones hauled in a pass or not that made it fourth and three. Purdue hurries up and hands it off to Dylan Downing and doesn't get there. That would have been a 28-yard field goal or so, and I, I most certainly understand running up and running, wanting to run a play. Um, it, it was really close whether he 
was inbounds or not. I kind of thought he wasn't, but I also didn't really slow it down any too much because Purdue ran that play so quickly. That just set a poor omen. You missed out on points there. You had a PAT get blocked. And some major credit to Paul Paferi, who hustled his butt off to get down to the other side of the field and tackle the Syracuse player who almost ran that all the way back the other way. That was a seriously fantastic job in terms of effort from Paferi. Purdue had a missed field goal. Mitchell Finner and missed from 41. Purdue had a really bad pick six. Aiden O'Connell with just a really bad decision that led to a quick seven points for Syracuse that made it a 10-point game in the fourth quarter and really should have put the game away. Purdue got lucky that it didn't, but you look at the lack of composure and the lack of discipline in all of the opportunities that Purdue missed, that's why Purdue lost. There's plenty of vitriol out there towards the officiating crew in this game. And look, by no means did they call a perfect game. But if you've been listening to the show a while, you know, I've officiated sports in my life before. I am not a blame the officials guy, especially when you look at all of those missed opportunities and you look at the 13 penalties for 144 yards. And I don't know what happened when Payne Durham got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct. I don't know what happened when Jeff Brom picked one up too. But in that situation, that is unacceptable. Purdue was absolutely undisciplined. They weren't very good in a number of facets of this game, and that's why they lost. You can't go on the road against a decent team. Uh, I think Syracuse is decent. I don't think they're that good, but I think they're decent. You can't go on the road against a decent team and do what you what Purdue did and shoot themselves in the leg over and over again and expect to come out of there with a win. I think so far, uh, the, the penalties are very concerning here. Purdue had nine penalties for 92 yards against Penn State. That really hurt them. Those weren't complete lack of control penalties. You know, there was what? There was a um, chop block. There were a few defensive holdings and pass interferences. I mean, it was different. Purdue in this one, you know, they looked like a team that thought they were entitled, I thought. It looks like a team that maybe bought into that preseason hype a little too much, just with the attitude. You're that close to being 3-0, and but when you commit penalties in your two losses, it's hard to win as an underdog. Purdue was an underdog in both those games. I think a very disappointing area, too, is when you look at the flags and where they came from, you had an unsportsmanlike conduct on Jeff Brom. That's unacceptable. That, that can't happen. Payne Durham is a leader. Payne Durham has been noted as one of Purdue's, if not the strongest leader, one of the strongest leaders on the team. He didn't show it on Saturday. That whole deal with 50 seconds left, you can't be doing that. I know emotions are high, but you can't be picking up an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on an extra point 
It wasn't even from his, it's on an extra point that guys are chirping. That can't happen. Jack Sullivan, Purdue's off the field. Garrett Schrader's got a third and 10, and he runs for maybe a yard, takes a step out of bounds, and Jack Sullivan just flattens him. Uh, Absolutely no reason for that. Those are your leaders. Those are your seniors. Those are guys who have been around forever. Those guys cannot be making those plays for you. This is a very senior-led team to begin with. I mean, if you look at the depth charts, it is a very veteran group. A lot of these guys are in their last year playing for Purdue, whether they're using a COVID year or you know they're likely just going to be done after this year. There are a lot of guys on this team that are in their final year of playing. And Purdue does not look like a veteran-laden team when they go out there and commit this many penalties and make that many mental mistakes that cost you the game. You know, through three, excuse me, three through through three quarters, Purdue had asked its defense to win games for it in a way that can't really happen for Purdue. You can't score nine points in the first three quarters total and expect to win. That just isn't how Purdue wins games. You know, it, it's 10 to nine going into the fourth quarter. That's not a game script that favors Purdue. Purdue is an offensive program. Now, the defense has been good. Serious credit to the defense for the way they performed. I thought they did a very good job. And sure, there were issues in the fourth quarter. They were tired. But remember that, you know, to a certain degree here, the defense only gave up 25 points. Purdue's offense gave up seven. That's tough. That's really tough. Uh, Because on paper, you know, the defense wins you that game when the offense scores 29. The offense just handed seven to them, and that's what happens. Purdue didn't take care of business on offense early on, though. They missed opportunities. Again, you look at that situation on the first drive of the game where Purdue has a chance for points. They don't get it. They get zero. Then... I if you're going to be aggressive, you need to stay aggressive because they had a fourth and one at the 24-yard line in the second quarter, and they settled for a Mitchell Finner and field goal. That one went in, but then he missed a 41-yarder on the other side. It, it just was a little bit weird how Purdue did things in this game. They came out of halftime and ran it three straight times. Um or I think three straight times, there was some point where they ran it three or four times in a row. That's not what you typically see. Uh, The run game wasn't very good. Uh, Purdue doesn't have a great run game. You know, Devin Mockaby had a nice run on that touchdown, and his story has been incredible this year. But outside of that one run, he had seven carries for seven yards. And a few of those were handoffs that never stood a chance. Dylan Downing did very, very little in this game. I don't know what to make of this whole Tyrone Tracy situation. You know, Purdue maintains that they need to get Tracy the ball more and that they need to utilize him more. But he had one carry 
for 13 yards, did catch the ball five times for 24 yards, but I just don't, I don't know what to make of this. I don't, I don't know what that is. It's clear that Kobe Lewis is the number four guy, maybe even the number five guy at running back. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see too much of him, but in King Doru's absence, you know, Purdue didn't really feel comfortable handing the ball off much at all. And, you know, hopefully they get Doru back for FAU. I don't know if they will or not, but there was no run game. It it all fell on O'Connell. You look at this offense, though, where would it be if Charlie Jones hadn't transferred in? This guy's unbelievable. I mean, 11 catches for 188 yards and a touchdown. He was spectacular. And you saw what happened when he subbed out a little bit in the first half when it looked like he got the wind knocked out of him. The offense wasn't doing much. The offense was struggling. The rest of the receivers have not been all that impressive. Charlie Jones has 32 receptions for 474 yards so far. Tyrone Tracy has 10 receptions, second on the team. Sheffield has nine Mershon Rice and Deion Burks have five, Brock Thompson three. I mean, really, Charlie Jones is your only receiving threat right now. And I'm high on some of these guys. I thought Deion Burks had a really nice game on Saturday. Uh, What did he have? Three catches for 38 yards. Sheffield looked good. But this receiver group outside of Charlie Jones has not done much. Now, I will bring this up countless times. You have Milton Wright, you're 3-0 and now. The offense is a heck of a lot better if you have Milton Wright and Charlie Jones on opposite sides of each other. That's a heck of a dynamic that Purdue would love to have this year, but they don't. Milton Wright, ineligible, that's a bummer. You look at this receiving core, or I guess pass-catching core, Payne Durham had a great day up until the last 50 seconds of this game. He had a fantastic day. He had that breakout day that we'd kind of been waiting on. He was quiet through the first two games, nine catches, 83 yards, two scores. He was really good. It just came to mind as well. Missed opportunities for Purdue. They missed a two-point conversion. Uh, All of these things, you know, they, they add up, man. They really add up. Outside of the one poor decision, I thought Aiden O'Connell had an excellent day. I he kept Purdue in this game, and he, you know, he should have won this game for the team. When he hit Payne Durham to go up with what 50, 51 seconds left, that should have been the game. But it wasn't, you know, those subsequent actions and those unsportsmanlike conduct penalties absolutely killed Purdue. Because, look, Syracuse would not have gone 75 yards, I don't think. I just don't see how that would have happened when they were in a spot where they couldn't run the ball. Their best offense all day had been Garrett Schrader tucking and running. He's not a great throwing quarterback. We certainly found that out. When he tried to throw the ball downfield, it wasn't pretty. thought Purdue did a fantastic job on Sean Tucker. Yeah, he's a really good back. 
and they held him to 2.3 yards per carry with a long of 10. That was fantastic. Schrader did get 83 yards on 17 touches, but, you know, really, he didn't have any game-breaking type of scrambles. You know, you have to live with that sometimes. But to, you know, 13 for 29 for a buck 81, I mean, that's a low completion percentage. The one deep ball he connected on was the dagger that hit you. But Purdue did a pretty good job on defense. That last possession, though, you put them in a really bad spot when two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties allow them to start at the 50. If they're starting at the 25, I don't know. I really don't know. Another questionable day for Purdue's special teams. Uh, The bright side, Jack Ansel has looked fantastic punting the ball this year. Uh, He's been really good. I don't think there's anything to complain about. You did see why Purdue has been hesitant with Mitch Finneran to send him out there from 40-plus. That one he missed wasn't close. And we talked about this. You know, this was one of our 10 big questions coming into fall camp. How far are they willing to send Mitchell Finneran out there to kick from? We saw where the hesitation comes from. He only attempted one kick of 40-plus last year. Now he's missed one this year. Uh, We see it now. Another kickoff out of bounds, a a problem. That can't be happening. And it came right after Purdue scored and was a big momentum issue. Uh, That just, these little things just really stacked up. And it, it it hurt Purdue badly. They didn't do the little things well. And that, that's absolutely brutal. Now, the point that everyone is probably waiting for me to get to, there's a lot of disdain for Jeff Brom out there right now. We've got listeners tweeting to us about his buyout. Uh, he won't be getting fired. I can promise you that. But certainly not a great start to the season. Uh, there has been plenty to question in Purdue's losses. You know, from a scheme perspective, of course, you know, people question the play calling in that Penn State game when they don't run the ball. And then, you know, he doesn't call the defense, but why Purdue was in man with one safety high on the touchdown pass that sealed it and why they let Bryce Hampton be put on an island, I don't know. That that one is a bit of a head-scratcher. Now, he admitted as much that it was the wrong decision in his Monday press conference, but at the end of the day, you know, there were, I think, 13 seconds left when that ball was snapped. Syracuse would have had two, maybe three plays left. I don't know. I would take my chances with them connecting on underneath passes. But, you know, Jeff Brown's a good coach. I I know the discipline can come back on coaches at times. And certainly, you know, when the coach gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty at that time, yeah, um, that's an issue. But also, I do believe in player leadership as well. And, you know, I don't know who all Purdue looks to as leaders. I certainly do know that Payne Durham is one of them. Disappointing there. 
Jack Sullivan's a very experienced guy on that defense with Jalen Graham out. Maybe he's one of them. I'm sure Cam Allen's one of them too, but his player leaders didn't do much for him either. Not great leadership all around in Purdue's loss on Saturday. Again, I don't know about that last defensive stand. That's that's Ron English. Um, you know, Jeff Brom is right to a certain degree that Purdue was very, very soft against Penn State and got drilled, and then they were a little bit more aggressive against Syracuse, and they gave up a game-winning touchdown. So, you know, those last drives haven't been all that great for Purdue. I think now, you know, we're 20 minutes in here. I, there's only so much to really say about that game. It's it's one game. But to have the season that Purdue fans want to have, that path is getting really narrow. And when I say, you know, the season that fans want to have, you're looking at 8 and 4 probably would be a really good scenario. Uh, of course, you know, the there's no game that Purdue can't win left on the schedule, but how many can they not lose? Uh, that's the issue here. I I always use eight and four here, you know, going over the win total. We'll talk FAU later this week, but that month of October is not looking easy. You go to Minnesota. Yes, they lost Chris Ottman Bell for the season. They're going to be tough. You go to Maryland. Get ready. That's going to be a shootout. I mean, they're going to, They've got an up-tempo offense. They don't have a great defense, but that won't be easy. Nebraska, okay, you know, they seem to be falling apart a little bit. The interim coach is firing coordinators now. And then you go to Madison. We we know what happens in the Purdue-Wisconsin series. So, you know, you've got three games in October that you'll probably be an underdog in. I don't know that Iowa and Illinois are going to be pushovers, Make fun of Iowa's offense all you want. They win games every year. So I I don't think you can just chalk that up as a W. And Illinois is going to play hard. It is a frustrating situation to look at the schedule and look at the results so far because, yes, Purdue got a lighter schedule. Now, Penn State looks pretty good. They just went and beat Auburn, but... You had a chance to win that game and didn't. Syracuse, time will tell. We'll see how good they are. We'll see if they're a bowl team. We'll see if they're you know a seven-win team. I don't know. We'll see where they end up. But these missed opportunities now are starting to stack on each other. And when you're a program like Purdue, last year generated quite a bit of momentum. We saw it coming into this season. Fans were very, very excited. Now, that excitement has certainly turned into some frustration. Uh, There are plenty of frustrated people on the message boards, you know, taking out frustrations on Jeff Brom, on Aiden O'Connell, on anyone. That's disappointing if you're the Purdue program. You know, fans are going to be fans, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Purdue fans are sometimes a pretty rational group compared to some other schools. But you can't afford to lose momentum because we saw what happened in 2019 where Purdue had a disappointing start to the year 
and it just snowballed. Completely different situations. That was a really young Purdue team that had injuries to all its veterans. And while Purdue has some injuries here, you know, these aren't season-ending deals. Jalen Graham will be back. King Doru will be back. I think Brock Thompson will be back, but I'm not counting on him to be a big producer this year. But Purdue's in a situation here where, you know, if you get off, you're, you know, you're one and two right now, and you, you better beat Florida Atlantic on Saturday. But two and two coming out of September was your worst case scenario. Uh, if they lose on Saturday, then it's, you know, it's panic button time. But you don't want a situation where you're three and five or four and four going into November. That that just gets really downtrodden real quick. That momentum needs to come back. That needs to start Saturday. That needs to start with a win against Florida Atlantic. Purdue 18 point favorites early. Wednesday night we'll record. See where that line is then. A cover would be really nice. You know, a dominant performance would be great. And then you get into Big Ten play. As I said, Q&A on Wednesday night. You know, there's only so much to talk about with Florida Atlantic. So send over questions, please. We need them. Anything Purdue football related at Boilers Beyond on Twitter. If you don't want to tweet it, you know, my DMs are always open. Have had plenty of you DM me over the years. Always enjoy those conversations. So Shoot me a DM if that's more your speed, um, whatever works best. But let's fill up the mailbag. We'll talk FAU. I'll answer your questions and anything from Syracuse, you know, all fair game. We'll do whatever you like. It's always your show, guys. Uh, tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like, and we will do more of the good stuff. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending your time with me. Again, we'll be back hitting your podcast feeds on Thursday morning. We'll talk the Owls. We'll talk Purdue's homecoming. Maybe we'll touch on those hideous helmets that they're going to be wearing. Tweet me those questions, at Boilers Beyond on Twitter. Follow there. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until Thursday morning, I hope the pain of this loss starts to subside a little bit. Hopefully you're not a Bears fan as well, although many of you are Colts fans and probably not much better for you either. Talk to you guys on Thursday morning. Until then, take care, everyone.